Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for tonight's V Brown Bag. I'm your host, Tom Green, and tonight we're going to be talking about governing your Azure environment. Uh, to do so, we have uh, Fumala Schmidt as our presenter. Hello, everyone. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Yeah. Good, good evening. Uh, we're glad to have you here. And just a little bit of homework before we get everything kicked off and I hand it over to you. Uh, we're very conversational. We love to chat on Twitter. We love to uh, to joke around, answer questions, get you in touch with the right resources for whatever you have going on. If you want to hit us up, you can hit us up at vbrownbag or use the hashtag vbrownbag. And there's dozens of us who monitor that, can help you out however you need. Uh, this isn't the only show. We have active shows in Brazil, uh, Europe, Latin America. Uh, you can find the full schedule of times at the vbrownbag.com slash brownbags. Uh, I think that's that takes care of that. So, uh, Fumo, if I'm going to hand it over to you. Awesome. Thank you. And you should have the prompt now. There you go. And I'm yep. going to officially say, can you see my screen? I, I can see it. <laughs> because when we do any type of conference call, it's always the first, can you hear me? And can you see my screen? So awesome. Well, welcome, everybody. And thank you for having me on here. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about governing your Azure environment. So what does governance really mean? see here is awesome my keyboard actually works now technical governance um, technical governance in a nutshell is basically making sure that your business requirements that you're meeting your business requirements and the expectations of the business so those investments that you've made in your you know IT spending um, those services that you, you know that you've purchased and whatnot that they're meeting all those business requirements so it's about controlling access it's about applying standard configurations i mean it's all the stuff here on the slide deck but ultimately it's really checks and balances yeah that, that's that's what it comes down to making sure that we have all those checks and balances in place and my background, I think a lot of you know, or maybe don't know, is you know I come from an infrastructure background, building servers, managing exchange. I mean, I've only been at Microsoft for almost a year now, and I was at a customer before, and that was you know that's what I've done my entire IT career, and governance has always sort of been around, and it's always. I don't want to say it was the dark cloud that loomed over, but when you think governance and compliance, how does that make you feel, Tom? Like most people cringe, like, oh, governance has to has to take a look at this, right? Yeah, it, it's usually uh, as painful at best. You know, yeah, it puts a road bump in your if you're you know I'm also infrastructure background. It puts a real big road bump in the. Uh, in the whole process of just getting stuff going yeah you, you just sometimes you would avoid them right because it's like god they're gonna slow us down and typically it they kind of would you know i mean i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be honest uh 
uh, you know, the governance police, you know, in, in the traditional sense, sometimes would slow you down because they need those checks and balances. And depending on the industry that you're in, you have to have those checks and balances. You need to make sure that you're following your regulations, the industry regulations, you know, you have the appropriate permissions, that you've got the necessary security measures. Because at the end of the day, you gotta make sure the integrity of your data and potentially your customer's data is intact, right? And there's a lot of things that go into place when it comes to governance. So it, you know, it can be a road blocker, but we have to rethink that approach of thinking it's this, this road blocker and instead think about it as a way to really enable you to do your job better and faster and, you know, more, more secure and actually with more control. So this is where we talk about like using cloud native governance. And I, I know that that's like a buzzword cloud native, but cloud native. So instead of being this road blocker and saying that, hey, you know, the governance police is gonna, you know, has to um, look over what we're doing. Let's think of it this way. Let's put these controls and measures in place in the beginning, right? And, and build a framework of it, build a foundation so that when our developers are, you know, when our applications team are using our Azure uh, subscriptions and resource groups, those controls are already in place. They're not, to them, they don't really need to think about that much. In fact, they probably don't, as long as we, the infrastructure teams or whoever uh, is managing those Azure subscriptions, your tenant, if we put those this framework in place, you know, those controls, the, those, you know, measurements in place, your developers don't really have to think about, oh, hmm, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, we need to get governance involved. Because how often do they get them involved in the beginning? And, you know, my experience, usually a lot of this stuff is shoehorned in, right, Tom? It's like you find out after the fact that, oh, we just, you know, deployed some test applications and whatever cloud provider we just chose and now we need to move that into production and, and have it somewhat connect to our existing environment and usually the infrastructure teams are running around with their heads cut off going what did they just do and the test in, into production promotion is uh sometimes questionable at best yeah because there they there wasn't any governance applied and, and to you know for, for, I guess, to their credit, or, or I don't blame them, because the cloud, by the very nature of cloud, it's so easy to deploy things. Oh my gosh, we advertise as Microsoft, we advertise all the time. <laughs> I, I've seen, you know, uh, other Microsoft employees go, oh, you can spin all, you, know, you can spin an environment up without getting your operations team involved. You know, I've seen AWS do it. it it's, we talk, you know, they talk about the cloud as being this easy, place to just deploy applications and you don't need to have infrastructure and you can be up running in minutes. And it's true, you can be up running in minutes, right? I mean, you can go out and, and open a free Azure account up. As, you, know, you can have a credit card with it, put it in, there you go. You got a free account for a year, right? And you can just start spinning up VMs and, and doing whatever you want. Anybody can do it. It's so easy. And when it's so easy, 
you forget about those controls. Like it's just, you know, like, oh, I can just do it. I mean, uh, we, we've, we've seen the, the test pilot to production and then, then the shoehorning. So using cloud native governance, uh, we're removing the barriers. So we're allowing agility. We're allowing you to be agile, but we're still enabling uh, velocity. We're still giving you speed. And I think actually you're going to be faster because now you're not thinking about, oh, I got to make sure I have all these checks and balances because the infrastructure group or whoever the cloud engineer is that's managing the tenant has already put those controls in place. Uh, you know, it, it's, it absolutely, when we think about that way, that it makes absolute sense, doesn't it? Like, hmm, what if we already built something that they can do without having to think too hard about the extra controls? It's kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat. I mean, it, it's, it's like with um, VMware, you know, the self-service feature. Back when I was deploying virtualization, gosh, now, that was back in 2011, 2012, 2010. Back then, everything was mostly manual, right? You, you built you built your VMs off templates, and you know you it was pretty much you know as someone requested it, then you would build it, spin you know spin a VM off a template, and then you'd have to make sure the servers were updated. I mean, it was just this long process, and then you would hand over the VMs. And then the application owners did whatever they wanted, wanted with it. And then you'd have to go back to make sure that they were within control. Well, here you've kind of you've kind of taken that extra step away where you put that control in place. So when we talk about governance for the cloud, in particular Azure, and using those cloud native features, we've got several different, uh, I like to call them services or, or features. So when we govern within Azure, you can use Azure policies and that's where that control function comes into place. And it is exactly what it is, it's policies. You know, it's policies uh, that you can control uh, and restrict your resources. And then we have this feature called Blueprints. And Blueprints is the orchestration of a governed subscription. So what, the, and the, I like I like to call them sort of like templates. I know it's a bad term to use because we have ARM templates, which are Azure Resource Management Group templates uh, that we use to deploy uh, resources into subscriptions. So I hesitate with using the word templates to describe blueprints, but it's sort of like that. It, it's it's a it's a a blueprint of all your policies, you know, all those definitions that you want assigned to a particular subscription or subscriptions, and you just stamp it. And then we have resource graphs, which that's basically your visualization of how your tenant is operating. You know, it it gives you it's it allows you to analyze how your resources are being utilized. And then we've got management groups. And this is the way to manage all your subscriptions. When you start 
deploying at scale, you know, when you get in really large and you're talking about, you know, multitude of subscriptions, the best way to manage those subscriptions is through management groups. And it's sort of like a, an active directory structure. That's, I mean, that was how, when I was learning this, I was like, oh, okay. It's similar to AD where you have your, um, you got your OU structure. It, it's very, to me, it was easier for me to understand it that way where you've taken your, your OU structures and everything underneath the OU uh, with fall under the root there. And then we've got this cost management feature, which um, cost management probably isn't the best name for it, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it is what it is. Cost management, it allows you to analyze and monitor your cloud spending, but all opti also optimize those resources. So there's budgeting, there's analysis, there's recommendations, and now we can actually see across multiple clouds as well. So uh, with Azure Cost Management, you can actually see into AWS and see what's happening over on that side, and then you can report it. So, and that was actually just announced, I wanna say a few weeks ago. So that's a really, really neat um, tool right there. But for the purpose of tonight, we're just gonna talk about the three features uh, to get into governance, because as you saw on the previous slide, there is a lot, and I don't think 60 minutes does, it's not gonna do it justice, because each feature in itself could be its own session. But for tonight, we're gonna to talk about role-based access control, which is RBAC. To me, that's like the most simplest form of governance. You know, just ensuring um, access rights. Who has access to what resources and at what level? I mean, that's as basic as you can get if you don't want to do any governance at all, you know, because you, you just don't have time for it at the very, you know, at the very least, do RBAC. And then we're going to talk about policies. Everybody loves policies. <laughs> and then uh, we're going to do a demo on blueprints and show you how you can take uh, RBAC policies, also, you know, ARM templates, which are Azure um, resource management groups. Um, and uh, the, it's just basically a script to deploy your environment. And you can take those ARM templates and put it into a blueprint and uh, govern your subscriptions that way. So there's three things we're gonna talk about, but ultimately governance is that not just about the technology, but it's about the people and the processes. So the tools are always gonna be there, regardless of what cloud you're in. So the stuff I'm talking about today, there's obviously something simple, something similar to it in AWS, and Google has it, and you know, other cloud providers, providers. They have something you know, sort of similar to this. Everyone's got some sort of governance technology that they're utilizing. But ultimately, without the tool, without the people and the processes, your tools are useless. I mean, you need to have the people and the processes. You need to define what type of policies you want. You know, you need to define those requirements. And the computers can't do it. It's got to be the people. You know, you got to get the people to buy into it. And then when you have that, you utilize the tools. To help you enforce that. So RBAC e easily um, 
said rather than role-based access control because that's a really long one to say. <laughs> so RBAC is just the segregation of duties within your team, right? It's just, it's granting a particular person or a who to access to resources. And, and it, you know, I think most of our, our attendees and people that are going to watch are VMware administrators. So something very similar, vSphere, um, you know, has RBAC as well. Same concept. You're just restricting people to uh, access to particular resources. So RBAC within Azure, there are over 70 built-in roles. And if you can't find one that suits that particular role, you can create a custom role. But as you know, as we all know, do you really need a custom? You, you may or may not, right? Now, with my infrastructure background, um, I always like to encourage, try to find something that's in the box already, because if you do make something custom, you've already tweaked it. So now we, we've got a potential, I say in air quotes, custom setting. And um, how often, you know, do we, when you start making those custom settings, they, they get kind of, what, what's a good word to describe all those custom settings that, you know, your environment tends to have? They, they, we get this gremlin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, oh, we made this custom policy and we made yeah. these, custom, you know, these custom groups and next, you know, everything's custom. And then, and this is me speaking with my former administrator hat on here. When you're managing custom resources, it is a pain because someone's got to remember why you did it, right? And if it's a one-off thing, you're, you kind of, my recommendation, if you're just doing something custom for one person or one specific scenario, really, I don't want to say think twice, but think twice, you know, on it and document why you're creating those custom groups. Uh, because, it, you, you know, doing something custom is considered an exception. So, but um, go ahead. As I say, I'm maybe jumping ahead, but so if we're doing these uh, custom role-based access control, you know, policies and groups, is there an easy way in Azure uh, to be able to extract the code? Because I know in previous parts of the series we've seen uh, that you can just click a button and the code that was used to uh, to do a thing kind of comes up. Yes. So would that be something you'll show us? Um, I actually don't have it in this particular demo, but we can come back and actually do a whole like session on, on customization. Yeah, that'd be great because I think the number one way to you know, counter or to document that is just use PowerShell to pull out you know, all the special stuff about that group or that policy. Yes. So you can actually, so when you're creating um, custom groups, you can do it, or sorry, RBAC, when you're creating an RBAC role uh, and it's custom, you can do it through uh, code and it's all through PowerShell. Uh, or you or you can, you know, um, there's some parts that you can do within the portal, but it's a lot easier to do it through code. And I actually don't have that in this session because I want to do more on the blueprints, but I can definitely come back and we can do a whole thing on just customizations of um, RBAC because with over 70 groups, um, if you can't find something, then 
I'm pretty sure it's very specific. And sometimes there are reasons to have something very, very specific. Uh, and they, they do have a demo um, that I could show. I'm not sure if I'll be able to show it tonight because I don't have it quite prepped. But um, where we do create a, uh, a custom role where they only have access to just restart a VM. And that's all that person can do. And there's particular use cases for that, right? Where uh, maybe it's an operations, you know, they're, they're doing third shift and you don't want to give that operator any other access except rebooting a server. Let's say you have a whole bunch of, um, I'm gonna make fun of fax servers. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got this one particular application server that just acts funky. And you know that a kick in the butt, a reboot, brings that all the services back up. And you know, for your third shift crew, you don't want them touching anything, but if the service goes down, all you want them to have access to do is just reboot the server, right? You can create a role like that. And um, I feel bad now that I don't, I don't have that demo ready. <laughs> uh, I wasn't planning on showing it, but I can show it later. But we, you can do that. It's cool. very easy to do. All right, cool. Um, Thank you very much. Yep. Uh, so let me get back here. So yes. Um, so we talked about the, the customization and then um, within the, the built-in roles. So you've got a whole bunch of stuff you can do with RBAC. And also with RBAC, you can also tie it into um, AD security groups, which also makes onboarding really easy. So um, let's say you assign a particular uh, role, you know, um, backup operator. You assign it to uh, an AD security group. So when there's an onboarding process, let's say it's you know someone new that's on your team, instead of assigning that person that role, you're just going to put them in you know that that security group with an AD. Once they're in that group, you don't have to do anything else. They're automatically given access to whatever assignment that security group has been assigned to in Azure. So that's you know one extra step and um, you know alleviating that pressure of tr trying to manage all your um, our back rules. So that that was on our back. Uh, since I'm I'm going to make the assumption that most of us are pretty familiar with that from from the vSphere side, uh, we can move on to policies. So Azure policies. So Azure policies. I mean, it is pretty much what it says. It's policies. Policies that allow you to do certain functions with with your resources within Azure, but it also is an auditing uh, component as well. So you can create policies that audit um, VMs for uh, certain versions of SQL, um, and you can do remediations on that. So if you look here on uh, just this screenshot, I have within the Azure policy section of Azure. So you've got your resources, and then if you've assigned a particular policy to your resources, resource, it'll tell you if it's compliant with that policy or not. So there's like a nice dashboard there, shows you what's compliant, non-compliant, and how many devices or resources that are not compliant within that particular policy. 
uh, with Azure policies, not only can you apply policy to uh, resources like a, a, a VM or um, your, your network groups and whatnot, but you can also do now in-guest policies as well. So we're um, continually adding more uh, in-guest um, policies to control how the guests actually are operating and running. But some of the top ones that definitely want to highlight is with Azure policies, you can restrict the location or the type of resources that you can deploy. So something like this is really good when we talk about GDPR. So you can control where resources are being deployed at. You can restrict it to say, okay, only in US data centers. Or let's say I've got this resource group that's gonna host applications uh, for European users or European customers. You wanna make sure that those resources are only deployed in European data centers and not um, you know, any other country. So you can restrict where they're being deployed at. And then you can also restrict the type of resources. So in this particular scenario, um, let's think about, uh, you know, you've, you've got all these hands in the cookie jar, right? And everyone just has rights to deploy because you need, to, uh, you need acceleration, right? You, you need to keep going and you don't want to be this road blocker. So you're like, okay, we're allowing people to create their resources. So what happens with that though is um, when you have a developer or someone that's asking for a server, a new server or a resource, how often do they say, I want the cheapest one? You know, I, I don't need fast disk, right? Don't they usually come back and say, oh, well, you know, we, we've got to have the best server. You know, it's got to have all these CPUs, all this memory. And we gotta make sure the disk is fast. I mean, you're an infrastructure Tom. <laughs> How often does someone say, "Get me the cheapest computer that you've got or the cheapest server?" Uh, usually, right after the first bill for having the giant <laughs> one comes, then they're like, oh, "Maybe, maybe a slower disk was fine." Yeah, but um, usually the first go around, it's like, "Oh, we need this," because oftentimes the uh, application requirements, the spec sheet they give you. You know, uh, whatever account team they're working with says, oh, our application needs to have, you know, all, you know, X amount of RAM and it's it's got to have 16 cores and pre pretty much, you know, this fat server when they probably don't need all those resources. So if you're giving people rights and permissions to deploy resources, you can probably shoot yourself in the foot there because if they have rights to deploy the most expensive VM, and if they can do it, they're probably gonna do it, right? <laughs> so here you can actually control uh, specific VMs that they deploy. So if you, let's say um, you restrict uh, this resource group to only having um, a lower tier of VMs, and they can only deploy on low cost disk because it is a test environment. Because do you really need SSD drives in your test environment? Probably not. Now you can restrict production environment to your higher end VMs and the higher end disk. 
so that you you know so that you're ensuring that you're getting the best service there. So those types of policies work great um, to control what's being deployed uh, from a cost savings perspective. And then another one I want to point out is from a security feature. I actually had this uh, this conversation um, with someone via Twitter. Uh, uh, one of my followers, who's now a friend, was like, "How do I ensure that Azure Security Center is deployed in in our VMs and, and you know, in our resources in all our subscriptions? We have like, you know, hundreds of them, and it's going to be just painstaking to go through, every, you know, individual resources and resource groups to deploy Azure Security Center." And I'm like, "Well." Do you want to use blueprints, which we're going to talk about a little later? He's like, well, I'm not sure if that's something you know that will work in our scenario. I said, well, why don't why don't you just deploy uh, a policy? So we actually have built-in policies uh, that you don't have to do anything. It's a built-in Azure policy that will deploy Azure Security Center for you. And you know, there's there's no thought about it. It's just boom. You're just you know you enable the policy and you deploy it to um, the particular, you know, subscriptions that you want, management groups, and you're done. And then we also have policies that can um, require specific versions of SQL Server, which can be a good thing. Let's say, you know, you are giving developers um, full control of their environment, and you want to make sure that you are, um, compliant within a support standpoint, you know, and, and deploying the latest version of SQL, you can require a specific version. And if it doesn't have that specific version, you can remediate it as well and say, okay, um, this doesn't meet requirements. So here's, you know, a remediation step. And then um, you can actually prevent it from being deployed, shut it down or, uh, uh, doing like an, an audit notification and have the person, you know, upgrade. So there's a lot, a lot of things you can do with Azure policies. So the Azure policy demo is pretty quick because I want to focus more on the blueprints, but I just want to show you where you go into it. So Just go back to my my home here, and the simplest way to find Azure Policy is just search on it. I find that this search is actually very, very good um, within the Azure portal. So now we're in Azure Policies, and it looks just like my screenshot. So we'll go into some definitions. And this is where um, the actual policies are. And you can basically just search through the different types. So we've got build-in and you can create custom policies as well. So I don't have any custom policies in here, but as you can see we've got A lot of built-in policies. And here's another thing about Azure policies. So in GitHub, we actually have a repository that the uh, 
the product group actually puts out, which are custom policies as well that you can actually deploy. So a lot of these policies that you can find on GitHub, which is coming from us, um, are from customer scenarios that um, you know, our engineering groups have worked with customers on. So they're not built-in policies, but they're custom policies that we've made and put out in GitHub for other customers to use now. So you don't actually have to think about creating it. So when it comes to policies, and even RBAC, I always tell people, go through what's available within the built-in already. And if you don't find something, um, you know, check GitHub. Definitely helpful when it comes to Azure policies because we're constantly um, adding more custom, I won't say custom, but more policies into our GitHub repo there. And um, there it's, you know, if you check back, there may be a particular scenario that, you, that you're looking for that you don't actually have to reinvent the wheel now because, you know, it's all about working smarter, not harder, right? Do you have any questions, Tom? Uh, no, we've had a few comments about uh, security teams being hand in hand with governance. Yes. So yeah, it's security governance. They um, they're two separate entities, but they work very close together. And some organizations, it's almost the same. It's probably it's probably the same organization. Maybe they um, you know, an, an arm of it, but governance is sort of an overarching, and then you've got security, which is a component of it, because governance is more than just security as well. So it's, it's auditing, um, it's, you know, it's checks and balances, where security is about uh, securing and, you know, making sure that, um, I guess, your data is secure and, and you know locked down. And and from coming from our you know shared perspective, this is almost it feels like a CYA as a service. Uh, you're you're providing <laughs> all these automated built-in ways we don't have to think about it, but we also don't have to worry about you know the server going into the U.S. That's GDPR and has to stay in in Europe or whatever. Yeah. So if you create these policies ahead of time, because it takes the it takes the the think I almost say it takes the thinking out of the way, but we can ensure that the developer or the apps person that's going to be working within that subscription or resource group, um, we've we've sort of taken the that step from them and allowing them just to do their jobs. But we know that we have those control measures because we're saying, hey, you can deploy, but you can only deploy if you're going to be, you know, um, if you're only going to be in, in this location. Now, depending on, uh, there is a particular step though. So if you've got a resource group and you're saying this is going to be an application that's specific to Europe, that person, you know, there's still human interaction there, right? So we can say only data that 
this data only gets deployed in a European uh, region, can only be deployed for the application, but that human needs to understand that still so they, so they, they can't think, that, oh, this is a, a US-based application. And that's where I go back to it. It's about the people and the processes. The tool, we have all the tools. Regardless of you know the platform, the tools are here. It's it's a matter of, of putting the tools and the people and the processes together. Because with with without those three, you're kind of like in limbo. It's it's hodgepodge. So this is just a you know a, a quick overview of, of what it looks like and all the different policies that we have, you can apply tagging. Who doesn't love tags? Tags are great. You can tag the resources. And, you know, you can apply a tag, let's say, all production um, VMs. Apply a tag, says production on it. And then once that tag is applied, you can do all sorts of stuff with it. You can apply policies to tag. You can do reporting on those tags. I mean, we all love tags. So we can just, I'm going to jump back into the slide deck. So some best practices with policies is always start out with the least intrusive first. Because one of the things with Azure policies is it's based off a deny um, process. So you can actually lock yourself out from doing things if if you don't stage your policies correctly. And you know, as I think all of us say, test, 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 test the particular policy before you roll it into production. Um, I, I can't I can't stress that enough. You know, infrastructure background. Um, whenever a new security policy or, or any type of control mechanism that was deployed in production that wasn't fully tested, uh, whenever we rolled things like that out, there was usually headaches afterwards. We, you know, we, we always found something um, like, oops, we didn't take into account for that. You know, like when you roll out a web filter, right? and you forget to whitelist your own domain <laughs> or uh, you know, websites for your key business partners, thing, things like that. Like there's, there's always something. So I always stress um, test, 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 test. But also understand that there's always gonna be that percentage of a failure rate. Because no matter how much you test, there are going to be scenarios that you may not take into account for. I'm sure we've I'm sure we've all been there as, as you know administrators. There's always something that comes out, but the best thing to do is you know is to test it out and try it. And I always you know I like to tell people if if you're in an enterprise, get a a, a test subscription, you know, and as the administrators of it. Go out and play with it, you know, break it. And that, that's what I used to tell my guys um, when we do try to do something new or if we deployed a, a new environment, 
um, I'd like to, you know, I usually tell them, let's spend a month, let's just break it. Do whatever we can to break this before we start allowing application teams to come in and break it some more. I want us to break it. So roll out the policies, you know, let's create, yeah, um, you know, let's play around with all the different RBAC groups. Let's see what we can do to really break this thing. And, and if you break it, sometimes you actually find bugs <laughs> and you can report it. <laughs> You know, and sometimes those things get fixed. I've 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 been known to um, find quite a few bugs in certain applications because of the breaking. Azure Blueprints. This is the our our new feature that we have that is still in preview, but I absolutely love it. It's probably one of my favorite ones because it is the orchestration and automation of governance. So we, you know, we have RBAC and then you've got your policies and then you got your ARM templates. And when you have a subscription, one or two subscriptions, you can do that manually, right? You can go and, and apply those different RBAC groups and you, you saw all those policies that we had. You can go and apply those individually. But when we're talking scale like that it doesn't scale very well when you've got hundreds of subscriptions or even like 20 or 50 to go in manually and apply governance to each of those subscriptions so this is where blueprint comes into play where you can create a blueprint that has all your governance that you want and apply it to a subscription. So that foundational infrastructure, you know, the, the, those control measures, the guardrails that we've put in that you once did manually now, it's sort of the, almost like a self-service type of function where, okay, we spin up a new subscription, a blueprint is automatically assigned to it, it has all that governance. So blueprints, I like, you know, the slide says reduces complexity, secure resources, but ultimately it's, it reduces overhead. You know, that's, you know, from, you know, that's just an admin talking. It's gonna save you time. It really is, especially if you have high turnover or if you're dealing with um, a department that you've got multiple, I'll say multiple teams, but you've got different centers, right? Let's say you, you have a follow the sun type of um, concept and you, you've just got a lot of hands in the cookie jar. Blueprints is great for that because when you have organizations like that, there could be turnover and their groups may change. We're here, um, those policies are, are set in place and they're defined. And then when that new person comes into, you know, comes into work, they don't really have to think about it very much on what they have to do because everything's already been defined. It's just a matter of giving them an overview. So how it works is, so you've, you've got your, like this cloud engineer, cloud architects, those, those are the, the new titles, right? <laughs> um, so 
that's you know you, you've got us engineers and then you take um, your artifacts which is your arm templates policy definitions your RBAC and then custom scripts which um, that will be coming out you take that all together and you create that into your blueprint and then you apply it to your subscriptions so once you've created the blueprint most organizations change right i mean how how often do you have policies that get changed or your business needs change i mean it happens all the time so with azure blueprints you can make different versions and update so as your environment changes you can go into that specific blueprint and um, you know create a new version of it save it so it's got its own version control as well and I'll show you in the demo coming up here um, you know you can go in modify that blueprint save the changes you know make make the note about what change you made save it republish it and then with blueprints we also have built-in blueprints too and with built-in blueprints um, as you can see, we've got the, the ISO standard there, we've got FedRAMP, um, there's some HIPAA blueprints. So with these blueprints, these are the built-in ones that have those regulation standards already built into them. So um, what that means is all the requirements that you would need to meet all those industry regulations are, are put into that blueprint for you. So you don't have to think about what do I need to do to make sure that this subscription is FedRAMP certified or NIST or HIPAA compliant. It's all those definitions, all those requirements are, are there. And it's a matter of, of applying a, a built-in blueprint to it. So again, takes that, we've taken that complexity for you and make it an even simpler for you to deploy and govern. And then once you've assign the blueprint, you know, let's say HIPAA for healthcare. You sign a HIPAA blueprint to, you know, a whole bunch of subscriptions. So now you've given it to your developers. They don't even have to think, you know, really think about that much, right? They they know it's got HIPAA requirements built in throughout because you've assigned it to that. So if they do try to do something that's out of regulation, it's not going to work. So for the the HIPAA blueprint, then is that available to anyone, even with a free account, or is it only pre uh, presented to people with the BAA uh, agreements that are required for uh, running HIPAA in the cloud? No, the the built-in blueprints are available, like the, the different uh, built ones. They're available for everyone. Now, keep in mind this is still preview, so things can change. But I can get um, confirmation from the product group so the, these are just so it's not like they're available to everyone so it's not restricted to what industry you're in it's just like you know the policies that I showed you they're they're available to everyone but with the FedRAMP I'm gonna double check on the FedRAMP one because not everyone needs to be FedRAMP right because <laughs> if you're FedRAMP then you should probably be in Azure government but you, you never know. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a good question. 
yeah, you, you, you just never know. I've seen some crazy stuff. <laughs> Okay, just checking my time here, making sure we're good. So Azure, Azure Blueprints. So we'll go into demo here. Let me turn over. So Azure Blueprints, um, it's down here on the left-hand side of the Azure portal, or you can search on it. And it, like I said, it's still in preview. And what preview really means is I would not deploy it in production, but it's very, very close to GA. And with preview, we want people to use it and try it, test it, and give us feedback. Because if we don't have people uh, using it, we don't know we don't know what needs to be fixed, right? Because it's like with every software, it, it, there's going to be there's going to be something that probably is all clunky and even from um, from the time I started working with this till now it has got there has been changes and improvements so you know with constant feedback um, product you know the, these products get better especially when we're given previews you know the customer our customers are given previews to try we encourage you to try them and then, you know, provide this feedback, which I'm actually gonna, I have a slide on that to, um, to you know, have people actually, um, if they wanna give us feedback, there's a, there's a way to channel that back. Okay, so blueprint, let's, let's create a blueprint. So let's go on the blueprint definitions. As you can see, this is, this is pretty much like the main console. Uh, blueprints and everything I just do want to highlight everything that I can do you can do uh, via PowerShell as well and through code so there, there's like with every Microsoft product there's multiple ways of doing of doing everything so I'm going to just show you real quick here my this test demo I just want to highlight something so as this comes up here we go. So with this one, this one I previously created, and you can see that I've created a role assignment of a network contributor. So this is, so when I assign this blueprint to a subscription, it is automatically going to apply the network contributor role to every single subscription uh, that it's going to apply this this role to every single subscription so whatever group or person that's in that role will have the network contributor uh role rights and network contributor role rights uh if i remember correctly is they can only uh they only have access and permissions to um network resources and that's all so they they can't they you know they they can't um add a storage group you know they can't add a storage count they can't do anything else except network resources and that's just one scenario for this demo and then i also um created an owner so every subscription has an owner and for this blue you know for this blueprint i'm assigning uh tailwind traders uh group it's a security group so 
this security group and who's ever in it will be an owner of all the subscriptions that get this test demo blueprint. And then every subscription will get this resource group called application production. And, and it'll just be this repeat, you know, repeatable. So every time a new subscription comes up, these three artifacts will be applied to it without having to do anything. And as you can see here, here are all the different versions that I've created. You know, once now go through that, like creating it and saving uh, a blueprint. So I've, I've got nine different versions, and with each one, I've got change notes, except for a few here, and that was done on purpose. That <laughs> uh, change notes are awesome, and I I highly recommend people to always document what you're changing. Uh, it, you know, it it's your it's your change log. Like as you can see here, I don't know what I did here for version six. Um, you know, I, I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you what I did, <laughs> but you know that and I did it on purpose to show that I I have no idea what I did. And I'm sure lots of our environments are like that. And we always go back on, gosh darn, I wish I would have put that down. Um, so change notes, descriptions. It's just like the whole tagging, you know, tag your resources if you can. Uh, it just from um, an auditing, but also a management, change management, all of it. It's just organization. It's just we're humans, we forget things and we have turnover. So when you when you have ways to document what you're doing, it just makes life easier for everyone. So that was just the, the overview of that. As you can see, I have all these blueprints that I've made and I have um, none that are actually assigned yet. So here in the assign tab, this comes up, I don't have any blueprints assigned to any subscriptions yet. But that's where you would go if you were checking to see if uh, a blueprint was assigned. And here's the thing about blueprints. There's a gotcha. So let's say you have, you're going to assign a blueprint to a subscription and you assign it. You could still assign a policy outside of the blueprint and I found this out because I did it <laughs> and I found out the hard way so uh, in one of my versions here in test demo I had uh, a particular um, setting to deploy a, a specific type of VM and when I went to create the VM it would not work for me and it kept saying it was out of policy and um, I'm like, well, it's not my blueprint. You know, and I went through my blueprint, removed everything. And then um, I did some digging and I realized I had an Azure policy that was outside the blueprint that I assigned separately to that subscription that was preventing me from doing something. So um, that that is the one gotcha that I like to tell people is, uh, you can still apply policies outside of blueprints. So you gotta, you gotta be careful with that a little bit. Um, if you are, you know, whoever's managing it has to kind of make sure that 
the people that are, um, what's the best way to put this? That you're only applying blueprints and you're, and you're not gonna be messing around with policies separately. Because like I said before, you can lock yourself out from doing stuff, which I did. I, I did bring this up with um, the product group and they are aware of it. And right now there is a potential workaround for that, that they're looking at, but it, it is something that they're, they're quite aware of that you can, you know, create, create policies and blueprints separate of each other. So that, that's the gotcha. So it does seem like a um, best practice, almost like with RBAC using uh, AD groups instead of individual users uh, uh -huh. for signing it. So it sounds like almost that same sort of hierarchy between uh, governance policy and blueprint. Yeah. I mean, there it's back to people and processes, right? It, it, it's um, the tools are there. It comes down to, you know, defining the people again. Who do we, who do we want to have, to be able to do this, who and what, you know, what access do, do they need? Does your whole group, you know, do, do all the server admins need owner rights? And, um, and you can actually lock owners for making changes to uh, subscriptions as well with, within the blueprint. And I'm gonna show you when we create one. So we'll, um, We'll start with just a blank blueprint, but as you can see here, there are samples that you can actually go through and use. But we'll start with a blank one. And we'll call this feed round bag. So when you create a blueprint, you have to define the location for it. And um, you can either direct it directly to a subscription or a management group. I recommend using a management group. And then just go to artifacts, and this is where you decide what type of governance you want to apply. So you can create, um, you can add a policy, a role assignment, or if you have an ARM template, you can apply that, or you can create a resource group. And you can just do a simple role assignment. So these are all the different roles here. There's seriously a lot of roles. It's, I, I don't wanna say rare to find something that's really custom. You know, I guess the scenario that I brought up earlier about just restarting the VMs, I mean, there there are certain cases like that, but for the most part, I, I'm gonna say that the, the built-in roles here, like look at this, DNS zone contributor, like for real. <laughs> That person can only do DNS, DNS zone contributor. But I like it, uh, data purger. Yeah, oh God, this I would love to be. Yeah, I would love to be a data purger. That's like yearly job is allowed to delete data. That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot here. So if you can't find something, mm, 
you know, definitely do your custom, but it's there. There's definitely, definitely a lot with this blockchain member node access. And look, blueprint operator. So you can, you know, just have a, a role just for someone that just does blueprints. And then there's a backup operator, backup contributor. The, if you go to our doc site, we actually have um, the roles and what they can, uh, the role assignments, um, the actual permissions listed out and what they can actually do. So let's, I'll just keep it simple here and we'll just use owner. That's a simple one. So you can assign um, the owner of to, um, you can assign the owner now by looking up, you know, by looking somebody up or using uh, a group, or you can assign the value when you're applying the subscription, when you're assigning the subscription uh, to a subscription. So it's just a, a tick box, like you can either do it now or later. Um, I like to leave it off because depending on, let's say, depending on that subscription, um, you may you may not want to assign the same owner to it. You may want to do a different security group or you know w whatever role that you're going to choose. But for this case, we're just going to choose owner because you know being an owner is cool of a subscription because you can supposedly do everything. And then um, to policy assignment. And make sure that we're good on time. So and these are all the, the different uh, policies that we have. There's 177 definitions. And then we also have um, initiatives. This is something that I actually didn't go over, but I'll briefly cover what initiatives are. So initiatives are, it's a group of policy definitions that have one single goal in mind. So you can have a, um, a security initiative or uh, an, an initiative, um, let's see here, all that VMs with a pending reboot, you know, it, it's just that that would be a particular initiative. But these are, it, it's, a, it's a set of policies that have, that are just have one overarching goal. You can see we can select let's see one hmm see one you're interested in we can apply there's always good ones uh deploy threat detection require sql server version 12.0 this is a built-in policy a lot of auditing Do allowed locations. Okay, so we'll make sure since we're running tight on time, is we'll save that draft. So once you decide all the artifacts, you would save it, and then we're going to go back into the draft, and this is where we publish it. So before you can assign it, you actually have to publish it. So I decided that I want to have these two artifacts and I'm going to click publish. And we're going to do version 
1.0, and we'll just call it first release. One thing to note about policies is it takes about 30 minutes for policies to apply uh, with or without a blueprint. So keep that in mind if you are applying policy inside a blueprint or out it, it's usually about a 30 minute uh, wait, give or take for everything to settle and, and to apply to the environment. So now that I publish it, I just clicked on the assign button. So I actually selected a particular management group that didn't have any subscriptions assigned to it. <laughs> so um, if I would have picked a different uh, management group that had subscriptions assigned to it, I would be able to select uh, the particular subscriptions that fell within that management group. And then um, I'll sign it with a particular version. And then here's the lock assignment. So with lock assignment, you can lock a subscription out. So like I said before, the owners of subscriptions can pretty much do anything, right? They have the superpower. But if you lock a, a lock a subscription using the lock assignment, owners can't they can't override that. So they can't go in and change the policies that you've implemented. So this is a good feature to have if you are in an environment that really needs to be tightly controlled. Uh, let's say you know a, a production um, financial application or something like that, or or in healthcare, um, where you know you don't want people, even the owners, to go messing around in production. You, you can lock. And then here's where so here's where like you would apply the you would apply the ownership of the particular roles, and then the adult locations. Since I you know selected where I wanted any resources to be deployed, I would just select the different data centers that we have available. As you can see, we've. We've got a lot there, and you would just, you know, select on the ones that you want. Um, just pick you up for this one. So we have four selected. Now, obviously, I, I, um, I picked the wrong or picked the wrong management group that didn't have any subscriptions assigned to it. But if I did, I would just click assign, and um, it would follow, it would go through the assignment process and assign the subscription to those, uh, assign the blueprint to those subscriptions then. And when you do the lookup, something here I do want to highlight is uh, it will actually search your Active Directory. So you can, when you're assigning the role, you can search, um, actually, so if I just wanted to see if that's going to come up. Still thinking about it. It should come up with whatever 
is in my AD or within the subscription, but for some reason my search isn't working. So there's that component within the assignment. And then, um, so once it's signed, it does take a couple minutes for it to go through. You, it would show up here in the assigned blueprints. And I think we're running out of time, so we just want to. You know, when we were talking earlier, you were saying you know you can can limit the size or type of uh, resources, but now you're seeing it in demo. It's really it's really clear where you could could rein stuff in, especially locking the the owner out. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely <laughs> you can definitely lock the owner out. That's for sure. Um, luckily, we we've got full owner rights on on the top the tenant so we've we haven't locked ourselves out um, but it, it's the the blueprint is actually like the more I keep testing with it I keep thinking this is great for those environments that um, you just have a lot of a lot of people you know a lot of a lot of hands in the cookie jar whether it's it's turnover or you know, it's just a big environment or it's great for those small environments because there's just, it's almost like a once and done. And then you can have multiple blueprints, you know, and, and oh, here's another thing with blueprints. You can actually export your blueprint. Uh, you can export it out via code and then import it back in. Uh, it almost be like a, you can import it back into a different blueprint and create a new one off of it. And this is a trick that I always did when I was managing Exchange, is instead of using the Exchange build-in groups, I would um, copy the build-in, you know, the copy the build-in Exchange groups, copy and rename my copied one so that it was exactly like the build-ins, but I wasn't messing with the build-in groups because, um, I, you know, I was always very, uh, very mystical, like, don't, don't mess with the build-in ones because they're, they're pristine and then just play with the copied ones and you can do something very similar to this so if you have like your the golden image of it you can export out and uh, import into another one it it definitely works in in scenarios with uh, a lot of hands so when you're when you're doing those uh, exports are you able to put it directly into git for versioning at that point um, to keep the version control external I believe so. Um, I can get back to you on that one. Usually, I just from from what I've been doing, I just export out and re import back in into my environment. <laughs> but from an enterprise perspective, yeah. But see, that's where like the whole version control within um, Blueprints itself comes into play as well, too. Where you have like, okay, if you've exported. Yeah, if you've exported out, you put it into Git, uh, you have the code there, and then you import back into Azure as a different blueprint. I would definitely note that from a, you know, from the version, you can make a note of it. And then now you've got Git as a repository of your code. So yeah. And I want to learn more. So. Um, like I said earlier, I mean, an hour doesn't really give 
the products justice because there's just so much within each of the different components. Like, um, I actually would love to have one of the uh, the product groups do a, a session on um, graph. It's freaking awesome. Uh, it's there's just so much about it that I think um, it's just it's one of those understated products. You know, the visualization of your environment. So, uh, you know, and then go deep into to Azure policies specific uh, would be great as well. And then definitely come back and do the customization of the RBAC groups. But we have a, a governance section within Docs that just pretty much um, details all things on governance, um, the different features we have. And then it talks about how you can, you know, deploy governance uh, from the people and processes standpoint in your environment from a, a small organization to a large organization. And there's different examples on how you can, you know, apply governance and, and the best practices to do it, or recommended practices, I should say. And that would, uh, you know, ak.ms cloud governance is the link for that. And then Azure Management Insiders program, my good friend Holly, she runs this program and the, the CXP program is, uh, it's the customer experience team. And if you are interested in being one of those customers that provides feedback, definitely contact her. That's her email address there. Um, you know, you, you pretty much are giving direct feedback to the product groups. If, you, if you're using our products and there's something that you don't like or we could do better or stuff that you do like, like we want to hear about it. And she does monthly calls um, based off, you know, based off these calls that they do and this this program, they have made the products so much better. So, uh, you know, this is open to anyone that is using um, Azure Management to reach out to Holly if you guys are interested and tell her I sent you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure she would love to have you in the Insiders program. And that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was awesome. It's it's great. I feel like I say this every week, and as we're wrapping up the the series on uh, on what's new in Azure, and and it's more than a getting started. But yeah, as we're seeing what's you know how it's come over the past few years, it's insane. It's there's so much more. Uh, so great. Yeah. Yeah, it it is. And then um, I would love for us to to do more. There's just so much. And especially from the infrastructure side, I find that a lot of our peers, um, I don't want to say are hesitant, but there's, there has, sometimes there's this cloud over Azure and Microsoft and, um, and I'm not sure if it's back to the Hyper-V days or whatnot. It may, maybe it is. And, you know, anybody that knows me knows I, I love VMware. You know, I just, that's, I was a VMware administrator, but I also, I, I love Microsoft at the same time. And I've seen, I've seen this product really grow. Um, and the fact that we are listening actively to feedback, that's to me, that's, you know, that says a lot because we want to make it better. We want it to be a better experience for everyone. And, um, you know, and we're continually doing that and, and making improvements 
because you know like like with everything there's nothing that's 100% perfect I mean it's you know we all saw what happened to, to Google this past week and right it stuff happens right <laughs> it, it does it's how you um, it's how you respond to it it's how you respond to those failures and and that stuff I think is the key differentiator in all of this so. very good well um, do you mind giving people your uh, how to get hold of you and ask any other yes. questions yes so you can uh, reach me through Twitter uh, at exchange goddess or you can also email me at Microsoft if you'd like um, I haven't really publicly announced this too much but you can just email exchange goddess at microsoft.com it will come to me <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I did snag that email address, so you can do that. I'm also on LinkedIn as Pumala Schmidt. Um, any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to, you know, reach out to me. Um, you know, if I don't know the answer, because I'm only human, uh, I will find somebody that can get an answer for you. I will do my best. Excellent. That's, that's awesome. That's uh, great that they gave you that uh, email address. Yeah, it's easy. Instead of pumala.schmidt at microsoft.com, it's exchange goddess. There you go. All right, thank you very much. And uh, with that, I think it'll wrap up our show tonight. Thank you uh, again for for presenting. And for everyone else, we'll see you next week. Great. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>